Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi there, welcome back to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm here today as Davina Stanley, here with Richard Metcalf, and we're here to talk to you about some new parts from his new book, Making Time for Strategy. Hi, Richard, how are you? Yeah, hi, Davina. Yeah, I'm doing well and um, looking forward to getting into this one today because it's all about tactics and uh, where the rubber can hit the road, right, in the short term to make some changes in how we work. No, I love that. And I think uh, we spoke very recently about this idea that tactics are often where people start, but they often go no further than that. Really essential set of things to do when we're freeing up ours each week so we can be more strategic. But um, so foundational for a lot of people. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, some people are super disciplined and organized by nature. And so some of these things they might already have got in place. Um, other leaders, however, actually rise up for all sorts of different skill sets, their ability to work with people, uh, their, their ability to cast vision, uh, and so forth. And possibly even more for those people, often they haven't necessarily got some of the basic blocking and tackling uh, in place um, to provide a foundation from which they can actually free up more of their time for more of their magic. So I find often for those people, it can be more of an issue. Um, but actually for everybody, there's normally great value in just slowing down for a minute and looking at how we're using our time and what practical things can we do to just to get through what we have to get through a bit more effectively. So perhaps for some of those more disciplined folks, it's good just to quickly check through the things and, you know, be, be sure that they're doing it well enough or as well as they can. Whereas for some others, they should spend more time here. Um, yeah, I think so. It's a bit like, you know, learning, I don't know, a sport, right? Like, you know, if you're already really, really good at a sport, then just a slight modification to, your, you know, your your stroke or your you know your game or whatever you're doing might actually create a big improvement in performance right because you kind of you've got all the bases in place so even a small tune-up can really help um yes but likewise if you're earlier in that journey then there's also plenty of things that you're going to learn as well that's going to make a big difference for you so i think everyone can definitely get benefit from just reviewing you know how do i deal with email, messages, meetings, inbound tasks, requests on my time. You know, how am I using my, my week? All those kind of things, which is really what the tactical challenge is about. And I think, think too, our environment changes constantly, doesn't it? If you think of the world of work two or three years ago before the pandemic, it mm. looked very different for a lot of people than it does now. And so, you know, I think even if you mastered the, you know, the tactics a couple of years before, before COVID or in a different role, your circumstances are going to be just because different, just because life moves on, yeah. aren't they? So it's definitely worth reviewing given the people you're working with, 
if you if you're going to go for a sporting analogy of playing a high performance sport so yeah. the the notion of a few little um optimizations i think can be very very powerful um so so where do you recommend the, these people start well first of all want to build a bit of a plan and same as any plan as i mentioned last time we need to know the current situation what's our starting point do what do we have time for strategy right now how much do we have how do we use our free time well our 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 strategic time and then we need to know our end point what are we actually trying to create do we do we, are we looking to create an hour a week are we trying to create a day a week what is it that we feel that we need given the impact that we're trying to make and then we need a bit of a timeline to get from a to b uh as I described in the book, you know, when a company perhaps is going through a downturn and it suddenly realizes it's, it's no longer cash flow positive, uh, it's actually losing money. Often the leaders have to make big dramatic changes urgently to right the ship, right? Just to stop hemorrhaging money and to put the business back on a firm footing. And it's a bit like us with time, you know, we need to be bold because if we're not bold, then we're just making incremental minor changes in our use of time. We're going to get incremental minor results in terms of our output. And so mm-hmm. I like to say to people, like, let's be bold when it comes to tactics. Let's actually get really clear about what would be a significant transformational uh, shift in, in how we use our time. And then let's actually aim at that. Yes. And I think that's, that's really good news. And, you know, the very fact that, we forget that time is our only finite resource. I think that very thought should remind us to really focus on it, shouldn't it? You know, to yeah, make the very yeah. most. Yeah, mm. exactly. So what I say is there's really, there's really three key things to do. I mean, the first one is to is to d- define your starting point. And so what I recommend people do is what I call a commitment inventory. And there's a bonus tool in, in, in the book for this to help you do this. And you can download the you can download a, um, a spreadsheet for this, but you can also just do it on a piece of paper, which is to look at what are the recurring tasks? How do you spend your time? How, what do you do every day? What do you do every week, every month, every quarter, every year? What do you do every time you get a new customer sign up, for example? And just start to actually understand where do you use your time? People think this is a boring, pointless exercise sometimes, but it doesn't take very long. Mm. And actually just looking at where you, yeah, if you're just looking at where you actually put your time speaks volumes. And actually even just by looking at it, you start to get a sense of what's, what might be possible. And the second thing is to then actually look at that and then start to identify, you know, what are my, what are my top most valuable activities? What are my neutral activities? And what are the, the ones which are really a, a waste of time or really a time sink or really dilute in terms of there might be a you might be a three hour meeting you go to and you add five minutes of value in that meeting, right? So perhaps that five minutes is valuable, but three hours really. So that that, that first point, getting this, the commitment inventory, I think is where I'd recommend people start. Yes, yes, and then I, I have an inkling that this is moving us forward to what another one of your wonderful acronyms that is again really it's not just useful, but it um, sums up the meaning. <laughs> what you're trying to achieve your crash plan not just your uh, you know i don't i'm trying to think of a word that is is a soft version of crash (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like your fresh diet, right? What, yeah, you, you try to you try to say like. So again, my, my point is, once you know your starting commit, your starting point with your commitment inventory, and then you can kind of go, okay, heck, I'm working forty hours a week, fifty hours a week, whatever it is, and actually looking at this, yeah, I'm going to give myself the challenge of freeing up five hours a week, or ten hours a week, or two hours a week, whatever it is, and um, and then you, and then you pick your timeline. Again, most people convince themselves that it's better to do this next quarter when they've got a bit more time. Reality is that will never happen. It only feels that next quarter, um, you know, it's going to get quieter next quarter. It's just, uh, it's, it's just you don't know about all the things that's going to happen yet. Um, so get yourself a timeline. And then, yeah, we work through the CRASH uh, acronym, um, the CRASH plan. And so it's, the idea here is, as I said, it's to make a, a big dent in how you use your time fairly quickly. And so there's five areas to go through. Um, first one is cut. So be bold. What are things you just want to say no to? What are the meetings you want to take out your diary? What are the projects you want to extract yourself from? What are the processes which no longer need you at the center? And then reduce. Sometimes you can't cut something completely but you might be able to reduce, reduce the frequency, reduce the quality, uh, reduce the time involved, uh, perhaps reduce the scope of what you're doing. There are many ways that you can reduce things. For example, if you're in a meeting that's a weekly meeting, perhaps you can decide just to attend it every uh, two weeks or every month. Or perhaps you can decide, you can say, I'm just gonna attend the first half hour and not the full two hours of that meeting. There are various ways you can reduce. So it's looking at how do you actually shrink the scope of what you're doing. The next one is assign. Uh, assigning something is really delegating it, right? It's 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 uh, giving it somebody else, uh, getting them to do it, or perhaps they should have been doing it anyway, right? So assigning is really extracting yourself out of that task. And then you've got systematize. So those things that you haven't been able to cut, reduce, or assign are still on your plate at this point. And so systematizing is really looking at have I actually structured this uh, task or process in a system that allows me A, to perhaps automate it or bring some tools to help me uh, get through it, but also perhaps if I actually systematize it and break it down into different components, then I can actually perhaps even assign some of those components rather than the whole task. When I was at Cisco, we were involved in uh, a consulting unit and the view was, you know, this is highly expert bespoke work. There's no way that we can um, outsource any of this or improve the efficiency of what we do because it, it requires so much on the expert consultants. Well, we thought, well, is that actually true? And we looked at one of the key processes um, the, that, we, that we saw, one of the key outcomes around building, for example, a financial plan. And then we realized, you know what? There are clearly describable steps that happen. And sure, in, in some of those steps, you need very much the expertise of the particular industry expert to do what needs to be done, but not in every step. And actually, the, the, the expertise is really needed here in step two and here in step four. And actually, if we can build a process around the rest of it, we can actually... Uh, bring other more junior team members on to support them. 
Uh, we can scale it, that they become more valuable. They can spend their time in their genius zone. And we managed to increase productivity by about 40%. So that's about systematizing, right? That was systematizing. Um, because we assigned, you know, we, 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 we figured it out. We realized that we don't need this super high level, expensive consultant doing everything. And there are some tasks that can be done very well with junior people and working and building that process was a game changer. Mm. And I think there's something that I'm seeing there that this acronym looks sequential, but you've just gone back as well. So there's a sense of iteration with it as well. Once you, when you are systematizing something, there might be ways to go back to assign, reduce and cut for yourself. Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com where you can find out more about the book and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. If you even, if yeah, you that's right. And generally, I'd say go through it sequentially because the earlier ones in this acronym are more powerful. It's better to cut than mm. to reduce. It's better mm. to reduce than to assign, um, etc. But it is, it is, there is a sequential, uh, there is a iterative part to this as well. I mean, and, and as is the last one, the last part of the crash acronym is hold. And so hold is really just deferring. Like, you know what? I know I'm meant to be doing this meeting with you every month, but right now I've got a real, I've got a real jam on. And so can we just postpone our next meeting a couple of months? So what you've yes. done is you've pushed that back into the future. I once had a boss who basically would never say no to anybody. But he would just say, yeah, we'll do that, but we can't get to it for two months. And of course, in two months' time, it was probably not no longer required anyway. <laughs> so I don't yeah, recommend never saying no, but it did work for him. Um, uh, and so holding, pushing into the future, again, that might just be a temporary relief. But also it might then help you realize, you know what? I could just cut this. <laughs> I've, I've deferred it for two or three months. It's not yes. actually having any value. Let's get rid of it. Um, or reduce, you know what? A check-in every two or three months works perfectly. Let's actually renegotiate our agreements around that. And let's make it a monthly check-in. and not a, um, Let's make it a quarterly check-in and not a monthly check-in. So this is how, although there is definitely a sequential way of using this, and it makes it simpler just to work through in that order, there's no reason why once you've done that gone through it once, you can then go through it again and see what new things have emerged. Perhaps a little bit of that 80-20 rule in the sense that you go through, certainly cut, reduce, assign. When you're getting to systematise and you're thinking, actually, now that I've systematised this, I can assign some pieces. It's like you're sort of looking at the finer improvements then, aren't you, rather than necessarily the really big things, cut, reduce, assign, that really big shift yes. you make in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And and so, yeah, I mean, cut and reduce are the ones where you're going to really work on the periphery of what you, you know, the things that the noise that comes into your diary, probably systematize yes. is probably you're going to work on when it's actually more core to what you do. So you definitely can't 
just get rid of it, but mm. you can uh, sharpen up and make it more efficient how you actually do those activities. Mm. Mm. And hold, it strikes me as being an opportunity to park something and come back later and see if it still matters, but also mm. in a way to communicate to others that they need to do a whole lot more to make it priority for you. And maybe they yeah. need to do some things. Maybe they can solve it. You know, I think yeah. it's very tempting in a leadership role to take on too much because it's always been done that way because people ask you to and so on and you, you want to be helpful and what have you. So I can see opportunities to say, look, uh, you know, I, I'm going to come back to you about that next month. And somebody says, oh, that's just not okay. Well, okay, well, let's talk about that, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, it can. Yeah, it creates a it creates a moment where people have an opportunity to. Yeah, they have to deal with something, right? Which the, yeah, the, it creates a bit mm -hmm. of tension in the system that can be really productive. Mm -hmm. And I think often, as I've worked with execs on this, it often is around. Oh, you know what? It's back to the mindset piece, probably. Which is, do I really believe my team can handle this without me? Uh, do I am I really prepared to let them have a go? Possibly you know, have to learn a bit the hard way sometimes. Am I actually prepared to let them go on that, on that curve? And so there we get into the mindset piece, as you say, coming, kind of weaving in. But I think you're right, hold is a great opportunity to, to start those conversations. Mm, mm. No, I love that. And it's constructive just to channel your old boss a little bit to say, you know, never say no, just delay or find another, yeah, find another way. So, no, it yeah. opens up the door for them to yeah. pressure you and then have the conversation, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I think in the book, uh, I, you know, I give some pretty practical, tactical advice on all of those areas, right? Well, like exactly how you might go about cutting or reducing, assigning or systematizing or, or holding things. And uh, I try to get into the details, but it is at a high level. Even if you're just listening to this podcast without the book, you can take that commitment inventory and you can just ask yourself for each of these, what would be a good candidate to cut? What would be a good candidate to reduce? And so on and so forth. And actually, once you've done that, you've got your list of activities and you've got ticks underneath each of those um, areas. You've pretty much got the outlines of what I call your extraction plan, your crash diet. <laughs> like that, like that. No, that's great. So we've got a plan then. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, we've got the plan. Um, however, the tactical challenge isn't quite done, right? Because there's, there's, um, there are two things probably that, that still need to happen. The first is we're going to have to um, build ongoing habits to keep and increase strategic focus. So in other words, the crash diet is one thing, but building the, the ways of working that keep you strategic and focused going into the future, you know, is, is another part of the challenge. Now, we don't have time to cover that, I think, today, but I do deal with that part as well in the tactical challenge in the book, uh, that question about the ongoing habits. But perhaps more relevantly for us, having the plan doesn't mean you've actually implement, implemented the plan. And so what stops people from implementing their plan tends to be influence and also mindset to some degree. But actually, influence is often where the rubber hits the road because now we know what we want to do. We've now got to go and have those critical conversations with our stakeholders to get them to buy in. 
to get them to agree, sure, I totally understand that you're not going to do this anymore. You're not going to attend this meeting and that's fine and acceptable. And so making sure that we, we get that, we win over our stakeholders is going to be critical to actually getting our plan implemented. And often we miss it out, right? Often we just go, I've got my plan. I'm now going to try and do it. I'm getting pushed back. So I'm going to throw bits of my plan out the window. And very soon we end up with just a, a shell of what we originally wanted. So I think that's what we can focus on perhaps in the next episode, this question of influence. That sounds fantastic. I think there's an awful lot to cover in that one. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you about that in the next episode. So if you would like the show notes from this episode, go and visit xquadrant.com slash podcast. And uh, Richard and I look forward to talking to you again soon. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.